Hi everybody, Michael and Marsha here and welcome to episode 2 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Now it's very rare that people are born into veganism. It's usually something that's discovered later on in life after a series of events that trigger a change in your lifestyle. And for those of you who are into superhero movies, uh, I see the answer to the question, why did you become vegan as your vegan origin story? Everybody has their story. And in this episode, Marsha and I spent a lot of time reflecting on what life was before we became vegan. And we also look at the moments that led up to us making this significant change. Ultimately, um, we could not participate in the harm and exploitation of animals any longer. But it is a bit of a unique story. So stay tuned, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope to hear about your origin story as well at some point. I'll leave it at that for now, and again, you're listening to episode two. Let's dive in. Uh, Marsha. Hey. How are you going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. That's good. Are you excited for our second episode? Yeah, it, it's cool, and it's like it's raining outside. Yeah, it's a nice day. It's cooled off a little bit, which is nice. It's been ridiculously hot the last few weeks. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it's nice to like be more comfortable when we're doing this podcast thing as well. Yeah. We're just trying out hand-holding today, so hopefully it goes nice and smooth. Yeah. Um, our first episode, we had it up on stand, so we'll just see if this quality is just as good. And um, we can sit on the couch and hang out. Yeah. Um, but today's episode is what's your origin story? Your well, vegan origin the story. Vegan origin story. <laughs> so it sounds like a, a superhero's journey when we say origin story. Why is that? Oh, you haven't heard of this before? No. Oh. Origin story related to superheroes. Yeah, it's like Superman, like... How did Superman become Superman? How did Batman become Batman? No? Okay. No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's no, what... but I'm not into those types of <laughs> movies anyways. You always bring yeah. me to them at the cinemas, but yeah. Okay. okay there you go. Well, that's the inspiration for the name of this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can clearly tell I didn't come up with this name. <laughs> so, so, but I think What's really interesting about this question is uh, I think most vegans or people who are looking to get into a vegan lifestyle can can resonate with how it all began. Yeah. And and it's very rare, although it does exist, that you see that somebody is born into existence a vegan. Yeah. Uh, normally, they start off as a non-vegan and they become a vegan. I think so, it's going to become more normal as time goes on. Yeah. I think there'll be more people you know, the older we get that are born in the last few years, that will be vegan from yeah. birth. But I wouldn't imagine that there would be. I don't know anyone that was born vegan. Yeah, exactly right. So so then it, it becomes quite compelling in terms of what was life before Yeah, uh, they were vegan. So I think for us, I, I think in this episode, we're going to be looking at that, explaining our vegan origin story. Uh, which we've talked about at length on our blog, uh, and which we're going to expand on a little bit here. But then we we also want to look at what life was before we were vegan, and then we want to bring in some other examples of other people's vegan origin stories, and would love to hear about yours as well, listener. So uh, my first question for you, Marsha, is 
you know, what, how did you consume generally? Like just everything, whether it was food. I think when we talk about veganism, we always default to food. But how did you consume in general? Whether it was fashion, what did you do for entertainment um, before you were vegan? And I know you've got a bit of an interesting background with your family. Well, that's a loaded question, really. It is. I mean, well, yeah. So I guess for me, I was, um, since I was born, my dad's been vegetarian his whole life. Well, my life, I should say. Um, And my mum's been vegetarian as well, on and off for a really long time. She'll eat fish every now and then, but she's been vegetarian pretty much the whole time. So for me, growing up, a lot of people think, oh, when did you start to make the connection that, you know, that what you see on your plate was once a living animal? And I feel like I always had that connection and I never felt really comfortable eating meat. It had to be like really disguised or very, very plain, like chicken drumsticks. Like I couldn't do that. I barely ate beef. Lamb, don't even know what it tastes like. Veal again, like all of these slightly off the norm, you know, I'd probably eat ham when I was younger, sausages, salami, like the processed meats when I was really young, when we lived in Slovenia. Um, And I enjoyed those. And I didn't really question, when I was really young, I didn't question where meat came from. But because I had vegetarian parents, we didn't really have that much meat in our house anyways. So, um, yeah, but as I got older, I started, I guess, thinking more independently um and so so just to clarify did you still have like you still ate salami and ham even though your parents were vegetarian at the time yeah it's because we wanted to eat it so they just bought what we wanted to eat gotcha yeah um so and you know they both thought that it was good for us you know they just I don't know. They just didn't want to eat it themselves, I guess. Yeah, but they weren't going to, I suppose, push their beliefs of eating onto the kids. If you wanted to eat meat or cheese or whatever, then you could. And they're still the same. Like, my siblings all eat meat. I'm the only one that doesn't. Okay. So, yeah. So, as time went on, I started to think more independently. I think this was like... Pretty much around the time that we got together, a decade ago. Yeah, over a decade now. Yeah. So 2008? Yep. And I started to think more deeply as to, you know, making sure that I buy organic meat and free range and all that sort of stuff because, you know, back then for me that was the more humane you know, the the animal has the best life that he possibly can, all that sort of stuff. So... Yeah, you were, for a long time, you were, and still are, very, very big on the organic yeah. component. Yeah, because I believe in organic. I know that a lot of people don't. I'm not really sure how that can be a belief or a non-belief, but, you know, it's either sprayed or it's not sprayed with with chemicals that, you know... 
are doing damage to your body. So anyways, won't go down that path today. That can be another podcast episode. Um, but it also relates to how animals are raised, right? Yeah. The I remember you showing me, gee, it would have been a first couple of years in our relationship and I was... And you saw the sheer amount of chicken I would consume. Yeah. Like, I would just eat chicken upon chicken upon chicken all the time. And I remember you showing me the, was it the Jamie Oliver series? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I bought it for you for Christmas. Oh, I yeah. Think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you were, you were just like, look, you need to eat organic chicken because this is what happens to those chickens yeah. in the process. And you showed oh, me. Oh, that video. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I don't think that was on DVD. I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on television yeah. maybe. And yeah. then, like, it, it, he went behind the scenes to, to show us, like, how um, chickens cage, caged, cage farming works and, like, the labelling around free range. Yeah. And how that's, like, a misrepresentation of how chickens are raised. Yeah. So you were incredibly passionate about that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it was just my small way of trying to, obviously, you know, we were really close and showing you that if you're consuming something, you need to be aware of where it's coming from and how the life of that animal has been before it ended up in your stomach. Yes. So. And how's my response to the Jamie Oliver series? Honestly, I don't even remember. Okay. Do you? No, I think I remember. I, I think I remember watching it and understanding what was happening, but I think at the time, I didn't want anything to get in the way of my chicken. <laughs> of your chicken. <laughs> yeah, like I really loved eating chicken, and but that so, wasn't necessarily like trying to get in the way of you eating chicken. It was just like what source the chicken was coming from. Absolutely, but um, but, but it, it just block you from eating yeah, it, it just created a huge know. inconvenience, though, yeah. right? Uh, which is really interesting now that I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. How I use that word inconvenience, but that's the way I saw it, and I think, I think over the years though, I was all bought, I was bought in. I think you convinced me to at least start consuming organic meat yeah well when we moved in together i did all the shopping so you know like i personally when i wasn't vegan and i was eating still a bit of meat i would only eat it when i bought it and i knew where it came from i mean as in that it was organic not that i know which farm the you know yeah the cow came from or the chicken or whatever yeah at least you had a, a some sort of clarification in terms of how it was raised yeah well and i tried to, to buy local as well going to the local organic yep. butcher rather than going into the supermarkets and supporting them and who knows where they came from so um i don't remember what i was saying yeah so you're you uh, I, I think you you always had that well yeah, i think so as I you got older you had that awareness ate, yeah when we went out i wouldn't eat meat i'd be vegetarian purely because i wouldn't trust where they source their meat from yeah so that was like and my a big rule. and a big driver for you was also like like the health considerations. Like I remember yeah. you talking about like, you know, this meat has just been pumped with so much artificial crap. Uh whether it was grains or whether it was just chemicals uh to raise or this hormones. animal. Or they hormones. Need hormones yeah. to raise them as quickly as they needed to make the yeah. most money in the shortest amount of time. Exactly right. So I remember that being a huge motivator for you as well for yeah. avoiding that kind of meat consumption. 
Yeah. But I, but I'm also curious though, like again, we're talking about food, and and I know this becomes the 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 big talking point when we talk about veganism, yeah. right? But there are some other considerations. So when you look back at how you consume beyond food, yeah. do you recall what your life looked like before becoming vegan? Well, as I said, it, I mean, I used to work in retail <clears throat> and I never used to think twice of where the clothes that I bought came from or, you know, uh, all of the consumables, I guess. I loved little bits and pieces. So that was, you know, if it was pretty, who cares where it came from? Um, I still, though, did like going to markets and buying local where I could for anything. So um, there was that side of me. And I guess I also did grow up at markets helping my mum selling jewellery that she was making at the time. and But then her transitioning into naturopathy, which is what she does now professionally as well, um, that actually started the introduction for me into being more mindful of, um, everything really. Cause I, I've always questioned things, but it's gone deeper and deeper with every year that passes. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you, you definitely question a lot of things. Uh, we're laughing because we have a, a dog we're looking after in the room who is snoring, snoring away in like the background. Crazy. I don't know if you can hear him. But, um, but it's a deep, passionate snore. I wish I got that type of sleep last night. But um, so as we're talking about... Okay, yeah, cool. So you, you've always been a little bit more conscious about everything you consume. But what about going to the zoo, for example? Yeah. Is that something that you didn't really think twice about? No, I didn't. Well, I did because my dad never liked supporting zoos oh, and okay. he never actually went to the zoo with us. He was always against them. Why? Because he didn't think that they were ethical. He didn't think that they were okay. I see. But again, he didn't want to push his opinion onto us. So mum still used to take us and we used to go with school Yeah. and to aquariums and all that sort of stuff. I remember when we first moved to Australia and we were in the first couple of weeks, we were staying at um, the Novotel or one of those hotels at Darling Harbour and the aquarium yeah yeah in Sydney and the aquarium was right there so we went quite a few times to the aquarium to explore it and all of that but um because my dad wasn't a fan in the back of my head I was always like why doesn't he want to come with us yeah um but yeah I mean and you you do feel, and this is a controversial thing for a lot of people, they feel, you know, well, I love animals and people that work at zoos, they look after the animals well and they kind of, you know, have breeding programs yeah, so that saving, animals don't go extinct. Exactly right, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're in, in a completely unnatural habitat. Well, look. And they're there for show, really. It's a money-making business. Yeah, so this this is probably a topic we need to... Again. We could go down we, so we need to unpack holes. probably a bit later, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think you know if this is a service that is monetized, yeah, uh, that can be you know be profited upon, yeah, then there's a consideration for the ethics behind it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think to get at a very fundamental level, I know for me, I never thought twice about going to zoos mm. um, or aquariums. In fact, I loved seeing animals mm. uh, in person and paying for that service. Um, but what about, what about other things? What about like, like I know uh, when I worked in real estate, 
we would have an annual event for the horse racing right and you know this was yeah this was a huge networking opportunity Mm. uh for clients and various stakeholders in our industry and you know it was part of our culture to bet on horse horse riding you know on horse racing Mm. and that's another thing i didn't really think twice it's not like i was passionate about that did you ever bid um i don't think i did Mm. but i don't think i i really thought twice about what was actually happening at that event yeah but now well, a lot I, of people still yeah, don't. Yeah, a lot of people don't. But, you know, at the time I had no idea. What about clothing for you? Well, clothing was a slow progression. Again, as I said before, I used to work in retail and I used to sell clothes. And I never thought like, well, where are these clothes actually made and who's making it? If I was to work in retail again, it would be a completely different story. And when I walk into retail stores, which is very rare, because I know that they're not going to have the standards that I require for when I'm buying things. Yeah, but what, what, how did you buy clothes before? What were your requirements? Was it the price? Was it the style? Yeah, yeah it was like, a bit of What everything. did you think of leather and wool? Were you just like, leather is like this really yeah, nice, luxurious? Yeah, yeah like it's Talk to me about that. Of, well, leather and wool in particular, they were always like, well, wool will keep you warm and it's a quality product and you're prepared to spend a little bit more. And people pitch it as, you know, 100% merino wool or, um, you know, a blend of, but if it's got a high percentage of wool, then you buy it because it's quality. And leather's the same. If it's genuine, if it says 100% genuine leather on it, you want to buy it. Which I suppose it means that there's more animal in that material. To make it more genuine? Honestly, who knows what. It's probably just brainwashing. But, um, and you don't know what animal at the end of the day. You know, there's so many news stories coming out now that it could potentially be dog or other animals that you never would have touched if if you knew. There's no level of transparency with clothing that we get in the food industry, for example. Well, no wonder. The labeling, the labeling's not where it needs to be. And it's also not a byproduct. People think that, well, leather is a byproduct of the animal agriculture industry, and it's not. Yeah. It's a big lie. I mean, the amount of um, tanneries and where they are located, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's a toxic industry. Anyways, yes. off topic again. Um, but but yeah, it wasn't I a consideration, to, right? No. And I actually always used to seek out leather shoes leather handbags, leather belts. Like I would rather spend the money and buy that product than buy something synthetic. Absolutely. It was about a premium purchase. I remember, you know, when you think about it in my defense and in everyone's defense that buys leather goods or even wool, it lasts longer. Well, this is the thing, right? Because I'm asking these questions to get back into life before vegan. Right, so that's what we're unpacking now, and it's really interesting to see your reactions now, yeah. right? Because you're you're literally thinking of yourself as a consumer when you consumed animal products, regardless whether it was food or fashion. Yeah. And but I agree with you because I think before I was vegan, you know, it was a goal to buy a leather jacket. You know, I would save up money to buy a leather jacket because I thought it would last longer and it was better quality and it looks really good as well. Yeah. And the same with leather work shoes. Right, 
Um, but now the paradigm is completely shifted now that I'm vegan and how I define longevity in products that I consume. Mm. Um, okay, but what did you think about anything else? Uh, we talked about entertainment. We've talked a little bit about fashion and food, of course. Um, what about cruelty-free? Right. Yeah, so brains that test on animals. Yeah. So, what, what as a female yourself, there's a you know particularly cosmetic industry is absolutely massive. Do yeah. you remember wh- how you used to consume those type of products before you were vegan? I do remember, but I don't remember the transition because I started at some point. I I don't know if it was necessarily that I wanted intentionally to shop cruelty free, but it was more so chemical toxin free. Um, and organic. So normally when you look at those, 90% of the time they're going to be cruelty-free as well, and especially when you're buying local. Like they're not going to be testing on animals. So it's mainly the bigger brands, especially the ones that sell in China, are the ones that test on animals because it's actually a prerequisite. Yeah, it's a requirement. Some people don't know. Um, If you wish to sell in China, you have to test on animals. I literally just sent a link to my whole family showing them an um, an image of some of the brands that test on animals and my sister said, oh my God, I didn't realize that this brand did. Yeah. So a, a lot of people are still very unaware and... Well, in their defense, realize. there's, again, unlike the food industry, there's not a, uh, there's no real strong labeling around these types of products yeah. to inform the consumer. I mean, it's getting stronger. It's getting I better. A lot of brands are starting to realize that it's something that consumers want. But when you live in a bubble like we do, you think that it's the norm. But really, when you step into your department stores, you know, the supermarket and all of that, you realize that there are still so many people that just consume blindly based on price. And convenience. Absolutely. And we were those people. Yeah. Right. Now, you definitely had a level of awareness uh, that was a little bit higher. But I think in in general, we were kind of just consuming. Yeah. We weren't really thinking that much about it. Um, performance is also important. Performance like if was it doesn't, critical. If yeah. you buy a shampoo and it washes your hair terribly and looks like you haven't even used anything, then you won't be buying that brand again. Yeah. But this is one of the reasons why slowly over time, as you learn more, you start switching and then people have this thing about, well, using natural products, you know, they won't perform as well as the chemical yeah. laden ones. Yeah, yeah. Which, which we, uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of experience dealing with those type of products. So let's, um, let's store that one for another episode. But yeah. thank you for going back uh, in life before veganism uh, for you, Marsha. Uh, do you have any questions for me before we move on? Well, I mean, you've also touched on the fact that you used to seek out leather and all, but how much of an importance did, well, and I guess you shared a lot of your thoughts on that, but how much of an importance did consuming animal products play in your every single day life? Like, would you ever go out and consider ordering a vegetarian meal or a vegan meal over an animal-based product? No, I wouldn't. So, at the same time, I think, you know, the way I was raised, it was just the norm to 
consume animal products. Yeah. Right. So which is what most people. Yeah, it was, and and you look, I can say culturally, you know, my 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 background is from Ghana, uh, West Africa, uh, where you know people in that region don't tend to really eat baby animals. So, like, you know, we would eat a goat, for example, a full-grown goat, um, as opposed to, like, veal or lamb or anything like that. It kind of freaks them out. Um, So, I grew up in that type of environment, but ironically, I never really liked the taste of goat, and I thought eating goat was really strange. But your dad used to barbecue a lot of lamb as well. He did used to barbecue a lot of lamb. So, this is the cultural influence of Australia. So, because I've grown up in Australia, um, taking away the Ghanaian heritage, I think uh, I definitely consumed a lot of barbecued meat, sausages, um, chicken. We never really baked uh, animals, but yeah, we're huge on seafood and prawns and fish. Um, So, there wasn't really a day where I wouldn't consume meat. Um, but I think even beyond that as well, I, I, I just wasn't eating healthy foods. Like I, I would eat Mm. Cocoa Pops for breakfast. Mm. I would eat toasted sandwiches with layers upon layers of cheese and tomato sauce. Like I'd grow up on that stuff. Milo with, oh yeah, (laughs) I would have Milo. So, okay. So hot Milo and guys, this was next level. So I would actually have a a huge mug of Milo, but I would add like two or three, maybe four heaps of tablespoons of Milo, of tablespoons of Milo. And I would add brown sugar to the Milo. It's right? so disgusting yeah. right now. Yeah, and then, of course, I'd put the hot water, boiling water, and then mix milk, dairy milk into that, right? Then I'd proceed to get, like, Wonder White bread, like the most processed bread you can possibly find that was basically plastic, and I'll drain that with honey and then crunchy peanut butter, not smooth peanut butter, because who eats smooth peanut butter unless you're making, like, a satay sauce? So crunchy craft peanut butter on top of the bread, and I'd fold that, then I'd dip that into the hot Milo. Uh, and I'd eat that a few times a week. Was, uh, who am I kidding? Daily, if it was available as well. Um, <laughs> was this something you inherited from your brother? Uh, yes, my brother came up with this innovation. I don't think it was innovation, because I know a lot of listeners probably have the same thing, uh, peanut butter and jelly. But folding it... But it's not jelly, it was honey. It was honey, yeah. 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 Um, so that, that was a huge go-to meal and yeah, I I think just in general, a lot of processed meats, Mm. so a lot of hams, uh, into toasted sandwiches as well. Uh, and then sometimes people will claim if they're not aware that ham is a processed meat, but if it's pink, that means it's got nitrates in it. Oh. Whereas meat and they put nitrates in it so that it looks more appealing. Yeah. If you actually got ham without nitrates in it, it would be brown, which is what I actually used to buy before we became vegan. Oh. For us, if you were already consuming ham. Okay. Um, at the organic butcher. So, but it's really hard to come by. Yeah. Because everyone wants their beautiful looking sliced thinned ham for their sandwiches so that they don't have to think about consuming dead bodies. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I I am the I was that type of consumer, right? Mm. I would never eat pig off a uh, like pig on a spit. I'd yeah. never touch that. Right? Why is it because it, you could see Cuz I could see the pig. Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could um 
you know, I grew, uh, you know, I grew up next to my neighbors who, who traditionally, um, like cook pig in a spit and they would love it. And I would just stay, stay away from it. I loved to eat meat that looked nothing like an animal. I did. I wanted to be as disconnected as I possibly could before yeah. I touched meat. Like yeah. I love popcorn, chicken, like battered chicken, KFC. Just chicken. Just chicken. <laughs> just no, chicken but, but, but I didn't really like roast chicken. Like plain, like yeah, or like you know, like when you used to like boil chicken, or I like never boiled well, chicken. I thought well, you or your mum boiled chicken. I was like, what no is one this? Boiled I, yeah. chicken in my family. Oh, okay. I think it was part of soup, maybe. Oh, for soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't really like chicken. Like chicken with skin. Like I was really finicky. Drumsticks. Yeah, sometimes. Oh. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. But I more like the breasts, like or chicken strips. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just the same. I was the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as 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 far away as possible from the actual animal. So we both kind of had that connection and never really were interested in consuming an animal if we saw that it was an animal before we yeah. ate it. Really. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd never expect like my brother would. You know, he'll try. He he's one of those people who try snail or yeah. rats or crickets or whatever. I I was not Who interested. Eats rats? Uh, no, I don't think he ate rats. Sorry, that's a bit a bit extreme. Sorry, sorry, Ernest. Um, but but I would never experiment. Like even seafood was like really kind of disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Oysters and and like you know breaking off prawn heads and like I hated that process. Yeah. Like I don't think I don't know if people actually enjoy that process. Now that they I think do. of it, I think yeah. they do. Some people. Do. Yeah. But you know prawns and tartar sauce. I really like that. So tartar, tartar, tartar. Ah, I sound so Australian, don't I? Um, so yeah, that that was my experience of consuming meat. And it's interesting reflecting about how disconnected I was in terms of clothes. I, I didn't. I to be honest, I didn't even think at all. No. I, like I didn't even pause to even consider where my clothing was coming from not even just animals but even fair trade considerations i like I, I, I really couldn't care less mm. if i was to be honest fast forward to today yes <laughs> very different story <laughs> so but okay so let's how about we fast track now to because let's be honest everyone probably thinks that the child that grew up in a pretty much vegetarian household is the one that turned us vegan, uh, right? Yes. So I'm going to put the spotlight on you for a little bit, Michael, because you actually initiated this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So talk us through a little bit about how that came about and what motivated you to start digging deeper and sharing things with me. Yeah, that's um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because yeah, I think when you look, you look at our backgrounds, they're they're so different. Yeah. And you know, I I'm a, a stocky African heritage guy who grew up with a you know in a lot of male dominant circles, playing sports and consuming meat and being macho. That that was my background, and you've come from a very alternative family. Um, so I think when people look at us and our relationship, it's really easy to make that assumption. Yeah. But, but I think for me, when I think it was back in 2013, towards the end of 2013, when I started to really shift, um, 
my paradigms about what I thought success was in life. Yeah. And we'll be talking a lot about the minimalism journey, but that's where it started. Yeah. I started consuming a lot of content from zenhabits.net by Leah Babauta, our friend over there, um, about developing really conscious habits and living with a lot more intentionality. And it wasn't until 2014, as I continued to read his content, that he had an article um, about you know a, a call to action for the animals, right? And this is a piece that he wrote about his journey towards veganism as it feeds into sort of Zen Buddhism and his philosophy. So it was after reading that article um, and already starting to shift my mindset around consumerism in general, mm-hmm. you know, as it relates to minimalism. Um, I just read this article and it just, the way he wrote it was really non judgmental and it was just really approachable. So I thought, okay, cool. Like, you know, he ended the article with like a seven-day vegan challenge, and I thought, okay, well, I might just dabble into this a little bit to see what it's about. But why? Like veganism to a lot of meat eaters is a very extreme thing, right? So I understand the conscious consumerism when it comes to applies to minimalism, but a lot of people stop at minimalism. They don't go deeper into changing how they eat and what it is that they eat. So was it just curiosity? It was it was curiosity. I don't think there was anything deeper than that. I, I think I just really respected Leo. I really respected him and I just thought, well, you know, if, if he's been able to make this switch and he's made so many positive changes in his life through habits, um, I, I'm just more curious to... and. And really, for me, you you know this is my personality, Marsha. I kind of like things that are a little bit extreme. Yeah. I, I kind of I'm attracted. Just a bit I'm attracted to me yeah to extreme <laughs> things and people doing extreme things. And at the time, I thought veganism was extreme. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm just curious because right. it's on the other side. Okay. Right. So, but at this but point, you had to put yourself into a really uncomfortable place to go down that path with extreme. But you know what? I think the minimalism journey was really important because I no longer cared about what other people thought. Yeah. So when my success was all of a sudden defined by less and not more, right, then I started to let go of what society deems on me and what it expects expects from me. Yeah. So I really didn't care. Mm. So I was able to pursue this curiosity without thinking twice. And but when I was dabbling into like veganism on the internet, then I stumbled across a YouTube clip by, uh, clip by uh, an interview with Ellen DeGeneres, who at the time was vegan, and she was being interviewed about why she made the switch to veganism, and that was just a really compelling interview. And she referenced the documentary Earthlings, right? So, and and a lot of you listening to this episode now have maybe heard of earthlings or have seen earthlings um but when she referenced to earthlings then i went to the the website so just explain like i obviously know this sure. but just explain what sparked your interest like what did the interviewer ask ellen for her for you to want to dig a bit deeper yeah so they were talking about how how Ellen was talking about how she just could no longer participate 
um, in the harm of animals after watching Earthlings. And the interviewer was like trying to relate to Ellen and draw comparisons to another documentary, which I keep forgetting the name of that one. Food Inc. Uh, Food Inc. Um, and she's like, yeah, that's like when I watched Food Inc. And I couldn't believe what they're feeding these animals and how they're treating them. And Ellen just cut her off and is like, oh, look, I've seen Food Inc. And, and Food Inc. is like a, a Disney movie compared to Earthlings. And that line, a Disney movie compared to Earthlings, I was like, whoa, what is Earthlings? If she's talking like that. So yeah. that's what compelled me to, to dig further. Mind you, this is all in one day. So, so I read this article from Zen Habits. Oh, okay. I went on about a three-hour internet binge, which led, led me to this interview with Ellen, which then led me to... Uh, Just a casual day off. Yeah, casual day <laughs> off, which led me to the Earthlings website. Yeah. So on the Earthlings website, they had a preview. Mm-hmm. Like a trailer yep. for a couple minutes. I still remember it. Yep. And I watched it and I was like, whoa, that, that was really, really full on. That was like some, um, like, a, like a preview of a horror movie in terms of the footage that they were capturing with these animals. And, but what attracted to me about this, this documentary is that it had some credibility behind it. I had Wackin Phoenix, who was, uh, who was listed as the narrator for the film. And I like Wackin Phoenix. I think he's pretty cool from The Gladiator and various films. And, and then also had Moby, who was doing the, the, the music and the sonics behind it as well. So I watched the, the trailer. Hearing what Ellen said, I thought I'd just send a link to, to Marsha when she was at work at the time. And uh, what did you think when you saw, saw the link? Well, it was... I mean, I was at work at my desk and I opened the link not knowing what to expect. I was pretty horrified. And I still remember the last image, the last clip um, at the end there where I think the, it's a fox or a dog that was skinned was alive. Dog. Yeah, a dog. And it had like still half of its eyelashes attached to its eye and it was just standing there blinking and that horrified me and I just said to Michael no thanks like I don't want to and I'm not the type of person that likes to surround myself with negativity or watch horror movies just for fun like that doesn't appeal to me like why would I want to lose sleep over it no thanks so um yeah so I just said no thank you and then got on with my day and then for some reason, when I got home that night, I don't know, like, for me, a lot of the time I believe that things happen for a reason. So you sent that link to me, you came to that uh, website for a reason, and I just said, okay, let's watch it. Yeah, so I was actually really surprised and honestly, I was a little bit nervous when you said, oh, yeah. You let's watch it. Me yeah, to. well, because I was like, oh, when you said, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna watch it. I'm like, oh, that was kind of a bit of a relief. Yeah. For me. Um. So when you came home, you're like, oh no, let's do this. I was like, oh, okay. I felt a little bit stressed. <laughs> what did I get myself into now? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we we sat there in the the bedroom, and and for those of you who don't know, the the documentary cycles through animal exploitation across about five different areas. Um, so we've already touched on some of these points um, in our origin story, but it goes through entertainment, food industry, of course, fashion, animal testing, breeding, 
Uh, is that all of them? Science. Yeah, and uh, yeah, testing is what yeah. I covered as well. So it, 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 it really looks holistically of, you know, our role in the ecosystem and how we exploit animals. And it, it, it does it in a way with incredible, I suppose, uh, footage, storytelling, um, really confronting and conflicting scenes. And uh, I think... I mean, we, it's non-stop. They yeah. don't give you a break. Yeah. Like, it might be a break of we're just leading up to cutting this animal's head off or something, but it's just, it's full on. Like, we had to pause at least twice. Yeah. I was bawling my eyes out, but we knew that we had to finish it. We knew that we had to see yeah. the truth because it's raw footage. Nothing's really been edited. They've just captured it from all over the world. Exactly. So you right. can't just say, oh, it's just in the States. I mean, it happens in our own backyard as well. And I think a lot of Aussies in particular are very blind to the fact that there is a lot of that just as much as it is anywhere else in the world. It's happening right here. Yeah. And I think, but what the film helped um, sort of help, help me to understand is that regardless of how we get to a point where we're killing animals, we're killing animals, you know, unnecessarily, you know, and, and that's the end result. So, you know, there's new nuance in sort of what life an animal will live, but there's, it's, it's unquestionable, undeniable of the end results and the purpose of why that animal was raised or bred. So that just connected me. Like we talked about how, disconnected I was from animals mm. in my consumption habits this documentary just completely rocked me and made me more connected than I ever was before so when we watched the film we finished it it was incredibly exhausting and it, it just became really really clear what the next steps were I didn't know how but I knew in my heart it wasn't even my mind it was just like my heart that you know, I had to, like Ellen, I didn't want to participate in the exploitation of animals in any way, shape or form. So I told you that I wanted to be vegan. On the spot. On the as spot. As soon as the movie finished. Yeah. And then I just said, I guess I am too. Like, you know, because, yeah, I mean, it completely, I don't think either of us realized how life changing that was going to be. And it wasn't anyone trying to convince us or tell us differently. Like we didn't watch any protests or talk to any vegans or like at that time, I only knew one other vegan person that I saw that actually came into my work and bought food. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I knew any vegans mm. at all. So this was a really, it felt like a really independent journey. And I thought that she was extreme. I was like, oh my God, what do you eat? Yeah. You know, but then when she came into work, she pretty much bought like the healthiest. I used, I, at the time I was working at a fruit and veg shop on the side and she bought so much produce, organic food. And, and I was just thinking, well, she actually eats really healthy and she was running workshops at the time on vegan cooking and just some of the things that she made as well I was like this is delicious but it's also really plain simple food yeah 
So Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because I think like I don't even know if, if somebody told me they were vegan. I can't even recall if somebody told me that. Like I think I'll just be really genuinely confused <laughs> if if somebody I'll probably be one of those people, I'm like, oh, vegetarian. They're like, oh, no, vegan. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. cool, so vegetarian. They're like, no, 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 vegan. Uh, what does that mean? And then I think once I explain that, I think I'll just generally be a bit confused. Yeah, like, but I wouldn't be judgmental. I think I'll just be like, oh, food. well, you know, good on you. Like, yeah. I, I'm, just, yeah, I'm not yeah. there. Yeah, like, you I'm take just, your hat off too. Yeah, them, I'm but like, you I respect go, but that. I can't do yeah, that. I'm like, there's, there's no way in this universe that I would, I would do that. But yeah. here we are today. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> How I'm, I'm really curious to, from, from you now, Marsha. When I told you that I want to be vegan on the spot, mm. me, mm. knowing my background in history, mm. what did you think of me? Well, I was proud of you. But I think at the same time, I was going through my own thing because of what I've just witnessed. So yep. it wasn't necessarily like, oh, my God, he's decided to go vegan. Like, I understood why you went vegan it's for the same reason that I did so but I was just impressed at how you put everything aside and were just like no I don't want to participate in that anymore so it was a really proud moment but at the same time I was processing it happened for me as well yeah I mean obviously not as intensely as it would for you because I wasn't I didn't eat meat every day and I wasn't so passionate about it. I mainly, like if I was to eat anything, it would be fish, but very rarely. Um, yeah, like... Yeah, it was a lot to process on the spot and I think... Well, it overwhelmed us, so we didn't really even know what to do because we were like, oh my God, so do we have to throw out everything and completely change, you know, like all of our leather goods, all of the wool products, all of the things that we have, you know, even uh, for instance, if you have a pencil case that has, that's made out of leather or all of the food in the fridge. Yeah. So it it was just a lot to take on. It was a lot. It was a lot, but, you know, and I think fortunately for us, what's unique about our origin story is that it happened to both of us at the same time. Yeah, we had each other for support. Yeah, so we always say that that's the the cheat code. Um, not to say that it can't be done if you're not if you don't it have the same makes experience. It so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. So we could support each other by how we ordered it, our fridge and and our our belongings and everything. So, um, which will definitely like will definitely unpack you know some of the things we found worked in that transition. Um, but yeah, it, 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 to me, it, and even now there's so much certainty in that decision. Yeah. I've never been so sure about a decision. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking before we started recording, I was sitting there prepping for this episode thinking you've come such a long way since we started dating. Yep. And it's just like, yeah, I just realized how proud I was that I am with someone that cares so much and that's not budging on any level in that sense, you know, that animals come first and that it's non-negotiable. Yep. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see how 
everything's shifted so much and that we've grown as individuals and as a couple over the years because of the changes that we've made in our lives. Yeah, it's it's pretty special. Um, so thank you for shouting that out. But I I am I kind of surprised myself just how hardcore vegan I am. Like not like in your face activist, but I think just like it just really matters to me. Yeah, you know, and I think that level of compassion and awareness for animals is it's just helped me in so many ways to see the whole world for what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think when we made this decision to become vegan, it was incredibly overwhelming and really sad and depressing um, as well, which we'll talk about a bit later as we'll talk about other people's vegan origin stories. But it's, I think once you're connected, it's, it, to me, it was just so much clarification and there was just no turning back. Um, so that to me was completely unexpected, um, but I'm so glad but I'm I on this journey. But I think it's the the way that it came about because you watched Earthlings. If you just stumbled across a few um, articles that were for environmental reasons or possibly for health reasons, it might not have had such an instant impact as doing it for the animals because you've seen a horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's journey is different and a lot of people don't actually become vegan overnight like we did. Yeah, actually, on that note, I have some, um, I wrote down some examples here. Okay. Because um, on our, on the minimalistvegan.com, we, we used to run an interview series called a Tea With. Yeah. And this is when we'd just basically catch up with uh, some people online that we admired uh, over a cup of tea uh, to talk about sort of their journey into living a value-driven lifestyle. And we're fortunate enough to actually interview Leo, the, Leo Babauta from Zen Habits, that where it all started uh, for me in this journey. And, and his vegan origin story was a very common one. It was a, it's a very gradual process, he said, right? And it was just like bit by bit, he just slowly educated himself on where his food was coming from. So very much a food-focused thing. Um, and then over time, he slowly eliminated animal products from his diet, right? And then he slowly started eliminating animal products from his consumption habits overall. Um, but it was a process that was back and forth, back and forth, and then slowly transitioning to veganism. You know what I find interesting in you saying that is just it reminded me of how different everyone is, that some people need to do things gradually I mean I would imagine that some people that did watch earthlings either didn't change their eating habits they did it gradually or they did it straight away so I think it just comes down to your personality and as to um, what not what you can handle but what you're able to do at that very moment and what works for you because it's not going to work for everyone but for us Again, because we had each other's support, it was able to be instant. Um, and I actually work better that way. Like for me, I couldn't do cheat days or I couldn't do it gradually because I feel like once I know this stuff, I can't unknow it to feel comfortable eating cheese and eggs and whatever until I was ready yeah. to sh- completely go into veganism. Yep. I agree, but I, but I think that's also part of our personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, it was, I know to me it was just, it was just kind of, um, 
there was no room for compromise. Yeah. And and mind you, like we compromise animal exploitation every single day. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, we live in this world. Yeah. Uh, we're stepping on insects. We're consuming, you know, uh, like plant-based foods, which in the process also harm animals. Like there's no getting away from it. But I think... It's not like veganism is a process and you try your best. I think people tend to put veganism up on a pedestal and when you see, like, even on the internet, when people are arguing with non-vegans, are arguing with vegans, saying, "Well, um, you know, that bread that you eat, the field that it came from, it killed birds and or you know mice or insects mice and, and crickets, whatever." Yeah. So, how do you feel comfortable then eating the bread that you so indulge in? And it's like, well, it's not about perfection; it's about progress, and we need to, at the end of the day. Like we've got to eat something. Yep. So we're trying to do the least harm possible that we are aware of. Yes. Because when you're consuming animal products, you know that there is cruelty behind it. Some people might think, well, what's the cruelty in drinking milk and eating eggs and all of that? But when you actually go on the internet, the internet is available to pretty much anyone these days. Absolutely. They can find that research for themselves. And it's so, there's so much more now on the internet about this sort of stuff, exposing places and the process than they used to be, you know, even five, ten years ago. So it's a very transparent way for people to make their own decisions and just dig deeper and question things. But to say that, like, well, you shouldn't eat plants because they're living creatures or whatever, which is, again, an argument that some people like to make, I think oh, that's really stupid. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. It's, and we're big on progress, right? And we're yeah. big on contributing what we can uh, based on your values as well. And I think, um, if you're unable to reach perfection, does that mean you should not try? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you do make mistakes. You might eat something. You've been told it was one thing and it's another thing. You know, like that's happened to us before when we've traveled and we were given something without, you know, we ordered one thing thinking it was vegan and then we got it and it wasn't. Yeah, my brother was shocked. I I told you about that, right? Yeah. When we were in Ghana at at a hotel and I ordered one of my favorite traditional foods, uh, which is fried plantain and bean stew. And I specifically asked the waiter um, to not include any beef or tuna or fish into the bean stew, because I typically do. And they're like, absolutely. And uh, so my brother proceeded to watch me destroy this meal. I loved it. I was scoffing it down. Halfway through, I noticed that there was a chunk of tuna in the stew. And I just stopped. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's animal in my food. And he started laughing. He was like, oh, okay. So what are you going to do? I'm like, what do you mean? I can't continue to eat this. Mm. And he's just like, wow. So you're willing to let this go? I'm like, of course I am. I can't eat this. You know, I felt sick in the stomach about it. But there's, there's no way I could proceed eating that meal. But I know a lot of people, a lot of vegans in particular, um, would prefer not to waste that meal. But I'm, for me, it's just, it, I believe so strongly in the principles about it. I've made this decision to buy this and what it represents 
it's not something I want to continue well, to eat. Sometimes you can't even stomach it. You know, like even just the thought of actually consuming that makes you feel um it's all in your head, but at the end of the day you are so used to not eating those things and you know why so strongly that you can't. You physically can't. Yeah. Well, you can until you realise what it is. Absolutely. Um, so look, we're we're approaching an hour for this and I know we can go on and on. Uh but I just wanted to read out one or two more examples of other uh, vegan origin stories. Uh, so we had we had uh, Jackie Wasserman. So she's the founder behind Beat by Beat, which is a vegan apparel company based in LA, um, also one of our friends. And so her vegan journey started when she uh, was dating um, her partner, which, which she was vegetarian. Um, well, vegan actually, and at the time she just couldn't understand why she was vegan. Um, but as a result of that, she started eating less meat, just being together in a relationship. Uh, and then later on, she realized that she had some health problems, um, that it came back to all the dairy that she was consuming. So she stripped that back and went on the juice cleanse. Um, but it was when she was watching documentaries with Joe, what's his name? Uh, fat, sick and nearly dead. Um, documentaries like that, uh, that she started to do more juice cleansing and she started to feel a lot better about her health, that she started to transition to a plant-based diet. And it was only when she started a plant-based diet that she started to research more about the ethical considerations of consuming animals. And then that's when she started the vegan journey. So that's a really common journey that we hear a lot as well, mm. is we start off with sort of the health, the health component or, or the way you eat and you introduce by someone else. Correct. Yeah. And then you start to, to do some more independent research that way as well. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to share that example because I know a lot of our listeners are, have got really, really different stories. Um, some with their partners or spouses, some by themselves. Some have become vegan and stopped and then became vegan again and then stopped again. Um, you know, some people have gone in by health reasons. Some people watch Cowspiracy and adorn it purely because of their environment. So there's all these considerations, um, which, by the way, would love to hear about all of your vegan origin stories um, at the show notes for this episode or in, in the ratings and reviews for the show. Uh, we're going to link this at theminimalistvegan.com forward slash 002. That's theminimalistvegan.com forward slash 002. Um, so we'll include links to all of these interviews uh, as well as uh, some of the, the documentaries that have motivated us uh, in our vegan origin story as well. Cool. So, Marsha, any final words before we wrap up? I think, I mean, if you're not vegan and you're listening to this, just be gentle with yourself. Just don't judge yourself because you're not a full vegan. And I, and as I said before, it's different for everyone you can gradually start introducing. Just do research. Watch documentaries. There's so many out there now. Um, we will link to as many as we can in, in the show notes as well to give you a bit of a, a start as to where you can explore. Um, but, yeah, just be just be gentle. and But anything, you know, even if it's one meal a day that you're swapping out, you're still saving animals' lives, which is the end goal for you know what at the end of the day what veganism is is being conscious consumers 
Exactly right. And I think, you know, right now in 2019, there's never been so many alternatives um, oh, it's to, exploding, to live this lifestyle as well. So it's never been easier yeah. uh, to do it. To do it. Um, but I think it's also really important to reflect on your origin story and remember life before you were a vegan because it's so easy to get caught up in this bubble this yeah. vegan bubble. Um, and, and I think that can really close you off from the reality of the world. And, and what happens is you start to lose empathy for those that are not vegan. Yeah. And I think it's really important for you to have powerful conversations with anybody. We need to be respectful of each other. And we also need to have empathy. And actually, you know what? Referring back to your life before vegan is actually really powerful to get people to listen to you about veganism. Yeah. Because it's relatable because how are they meant to relate to you otherwise if you don't actually say, yeah, I totally understand. I was once there as well or, you know, I had the exact same habit as you. So if you can relate to them on that level, they'll go, okay, well, they actually, you know, even if it was a while ago, they used to eat like I do, but what made them change? Exactly. But I think especially if you're just transitioning into veganism and how we were at the beginning, we were quite angry people towards anyone that wasn't vegan. And some vegans, they could have been vegan for a long time and they're angry vegans. You've got to be mindful of that because I think it pushes people away rather than draws them in and makes them curious because you have a lot of emotion behind you, which is very understandable. Yeah. And I also think on that note, like... Like, I don't think it's realistic for us to think that what we say is going to all of a sudden change somebody's mind. Yeah. Right? Um, you can I, plant seeds. It's, it's about planting the seeds. Yeah. And I think, how could you pick a curiosity yeah. to someone who's already open? Yeah. Right? And I think that's the way to look at it. It's, Share a meal with them. Sh- send them some links to, you know... But just in a gentle way, not not like you need to read this or, you know, you should try this food and I'll force it down your throat for the rest of the week or, you know, whatever it is. But in a gentle way where you're planting seeds because that person, it might be something that you literally said as a pass-by comment that might actually stick with them and make them go and go, okay, that was an interesting point that they made. I'm going to go and investigate yeah. that deeper. Yeah, or it's people always observing what you do. Yeah, and you never know what else is going on in their lives as well. You know, there could be so many things that changing their lifestyle is the last thing from their mind. Yep. You do need a bit of capacity to make such a change. Yeah. But, you know, we always say in our first book, it's, it's once you know the why, the how becomes incredibly easy. Yeah. So even though we were really overwhelmed that night that we watched Earthlings, we knew we were going to make it work. Yeah. Because the wire was so 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 strong. Yeah. Um. So well, th- it became priority. Exactly know. right. It just comes down to priorities. So guys, we we can go on and on, but let's let's leave it at that. We'd love to hear your thoughts over at the show notes. Again, it's minimalsvegan.com forward slash zero zero two. Uh, we're talking about vegan origin stories. We'd love to hear yours. Um, and maybe we can share some of them in future episodes. Or if there's anything that you can relate to with ours, share with us. Yeah, love to hear your thoughts. All right, there it is. 
that's our vegan origin story. I know it's a little bit more unique for a couple to go from one day consuming animal products to not consuming animal products basically in an instant. But what can I say? We were feeling really moved um, by that documentary. And I know that your story is also going to be very unique and beneficial for others to hear about it. Uh, whether you were vegan and then you stopped becoming vegan and then you became vegan again, I'm just curious to, to hear about your story and your reasons for wanting to participate in this lifestyle in the first place. I think the more we can share these stories with each other, the more realistic the transition is going to be for others. So how are we going to do this? I think um, there's a couple ways. You can either leave a comment at the show notes, which is theminimalistvegan.com slash 002. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 002. Um, you could also maybe, I don't know, hit us up on Instagram. We're at theminimalistvegan. Um, you can share Instagram story or uh, DM us or comment on one of our posts, but we'd love to hear uh, from you about your vegan origin story. All right, so um, that's it for now. Um, at the link of the show notes, you're also going to find uh, some of the articles we've written about in the past uh, about um, our transition, uh, which you might find interesting, as well as other resources and stories from others um, who shared their vegan origin story as well. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that for now. Um, here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. And we'll chat to you next week. Peace.